Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. This discussion is going to be on Mosiah chapter 29, and now we're going to be getting into a change in the government. One thing I want you to think about is uh, how is the United States governed? What is the process that we use, and how, did, how was that determined? You know that the Founding Fathers uh, created a, a new government here in America, but what was their, fa their foundation or their basis for it? We'll talk about that at the end of the lesson. thought it might be interesting to know. All right, to begin with, for chapter 29, this begins a period when the people are governed by the rule of law and the voice of the people. This was a system of government which might be called theodemocratic in the sense that the voice of the people as well as the word and will of the Lord would, would form the basis for decisions made and laws instituted. Theocratic governments trace their origin to the earliest ages. Adam, our father, the first man, is the presiding high priest over the earth for all ages. The government, the Lord gave him was patriarchal, and from the expulsion from Eden to the cleansing of the earth by water in the day of Noah, the righteous portion of mankind were blessed and governed by a patriarchal theocracy. This theocratic system, patterned after the order and system that prevailed in heaven, was the government of God. He himself, though dwelling in heaven, was the lawgiver, judge, and king. He gave direction in all things, both civil and ecclesiastical. There was no separation of church and state as we now know it. All governmental affairs were directed, controlled, and regulated from on high. The Lord's legal administrators on earth served by virtue of their callings and ordinations in the Holy Priesthood and as they were guided by the power of the Holy Ghost. And that was by Bruce Armaconkey. All right, let's get into section or chapter 29, verse 1. Now, when Mosiah had done this, he sent out throughout all the land among all the people desiring to know their will concerning who should be their king. And it came to pass that the voice of the people came, saying, We, we are desirous that Aaron, and we think that Aaron must have been the eldest, since they mentioned him first, thy son should be our king and our ruler. Now Aaron had gone up to the land of Nephi, therefore the king could not confer the kingdom upon him. Neither would Aaron take it upon himself, or take upon him the kingdom, neither were any of the sons of Mosiah willing to take upon them the kingdom. Therefore King Mosiah sent again among the people, yea, even a, a written record, I'm sorry, even a, a written word sent he among the people, and these were the words that were written, saying, Behold, O ye my people, or my brethren, for I esteem you as, as such, I desire that ye should consider the cause which ye are called to consider, for ye are desirous to have a king. Now I declare unto you that he to whom the kingdom doth rightly belong has declined, and will not take upon him the kingdom. And now if there should be another appointed in his stead, behold, I fear there would rise contentions among you, and who knoweth but what my son, to whom the kingdom doth belong, should turn to be angry and draw away a part of this people after him. Isn't he? I think Mosiah is speaking from uh, experience here, isn't he? Which would cause wars and contentions among you, which would be the cause of shedding much blood and perverting the way of the Lord, yea, and destroy the souls of many people. Now I say unto you, let us be wise and consider these things. For we have no right to destroy my son, neither should, any have, neither should we have any right to destroy another if he should be appointed in his stead. And if my son should turn again to his pride and vain things, he would recall the words or the things which he had said and claim his right to the kingdom, which would cause him and also this people to commit much sin. 
And now let us be wise and look forward to these things, and do that which will make for the peace of this people. Therefore I will be your king the remainder of my days. Nevertheless, let us appoint judges to judge this people according to our law. And we will newly arrange the affairs of this people, for we will appoint wise men to be the judges, that you will, that will judge this people according to the commandments of God. Now it is better that a man should be judged of God than of man, for the judgments of God are always just, but the judgments of man are not always just. So they're going to actually use the uh, the book of Judges here will be the basis, and that's out of, um, uh, remember the brass plates has that. Uh, verse 13, therefore, if it were possible that you could have just men to be your kings who would establish the laws of God and judge this people according to his commandments, yea, if you could have men for your kings who would do even as my father Benjamin did for this people, I say unto you, if this could always be the case, then it would be expedient that you should always have kings to rule over you. And even I myself have labored with all the power and faculties which I have possessed to teach you the commandments of God and to establish peace throughout the land that there should be no wars, nor contentions, nor stealing, nor plundering, nor, nor murdering, nor any manner of iniquity. And whosoever has committed iniquity, him have I punished according to the crime which he has committed, according to the law which has been given to us by our fathers. Now I say unto you that because all men are not just, it is not expedient that you should have a king or kings to rule over you. For behold, how much iniquity doth one king, one wicked king, cause to be committed, yea, and... What great destruction! Yea, remember King Noah, his wickedness and his abominations, and also the wickedness and abominations of his people. Behold, what great destruction did come upon them, and also because of their iniquities they were brought into bondage. And were it not for the interposition of their all-wise Creator, and this because of their sincere repentance, they must unavoidably remain in bondage until now. But behold, he did deliver them, because they did humble themselves before him. And because they cried mightily unto him, he did deliver them out of bondage, and thus Doth the, the Lord work with his power with his power in all cases among the children of men, extending the arm of mercy towards them that put their trust in him? And behold, now I say unto you, ye cannot dethrone an iniquitous king, save it be through much contention and the shedding of much blood. For behold, he has his friends in iniquity, and he keepeth his guards about him, and he teareth up the laws of those who have reigned in righteousness before him, and he trampleth under his feet the commandments of God. And he enacteth laws, and sendeth them forth among his people, yea, laws after the manner of his own wickedness, and whosoever doth not obey his laws, he causeth to be destroyed. And whosoever doth rebel against him, he will send his armies against them to war, and if he can, he will destroy them. And thus in right in unrighteousness king an unrighteous king doth pervert the ways of all righteousness. And now, behold, I say unto you, it is not expedient that such abominations should come upon you. Therefore, choose you, by the voice of this people, judges, that ye may be judged according to the laws which have been given you by your fathers, by our fathers, which are correct, and which were given them by the hand of the Lord. Brant Gardner made this comment. He says, in the context of Mosiah's ancient world, we must also remember the nature of the king. The king was good because he was the conduit to the will of God. With the removal of the king, Mosiah was suggesting that the direct governing influence of God would be cut. If the king were no longer present to receive the will of God for the governing of the people, how would they know what was right? Mosiah's answer is that the measuring stick would now be the voice of the people rather than the voice of the king as mouthpiece for God. Verse 26, Now it is not common that the voice of the people desireth anything contrary to that which is right. J. Reuben Clark said, I have, a complete, I have a complete confidence in the aggregate wisdom of the people. If they are given and made to understand the facts, the wisdom of the mass is always greater than the wisdom of the individual or of the group. 
The few may be more subtle, more agile-minded, more resourceful. They may, for a time, push to the front and scamper ahead in the march. They may, on occasion, and for a time, entice us down the wrong highway at the crossroads. But the great, slow-moving, deliberate-thinking mass plods along over the years down the divinely appointed way. Led astray, they slowly, cumbersomely swing back to the right road, no matter what the toil or the sacrifice may be, and when they start the return, they crush whatever lies in their path. So has humanity come up through the ages. Back to verse 26. And it, but, it, but it is common for the lesser part of the people to desire that which is not right. Therefore, this shall ye observe and make it your law to do your business by the voice of the people. Harold B. Lee said, when election draws near, we hear members say, why doesn't the church tell us how to vote? I cannot think of anything that would bring about a greater wholesale apostasy than if we would assume to do that. I say the Lord has told you how to vote. You read Doctrine and Covenants section 134 verse 3, where the Lord said, We believe that all governments necessarily require civil officers and magistrates to enforce the laws of the same, and that such as will administer the law in equity and justice should be sought for and upheld by the voice of the people, if a republic or the will of the sovereign. That is what the Lord said. Then I say to them, read Mosiah's wise counsel when he said, and he quoted uh, 25 and 26. I have said to them, if you do not know how to vote after you have read those two things, you are dumber than I think you are. Ooh, that's pretty strong words. Uh, any true Latter-day Saint can know how to vote. Verse 27, and if the time comes that the voice of the people doth choose iniquity, then is the time that the judgments of God will come upon you. Yea, then is the time he will visit you with great destruction, even as he has hitherto visited this land. Brant Gardner again says, I'm sorry, this is Doctrinal Commentary of the Book of Mormon first. When the majority of the inhabitants of a nation turn from the God of Israel and worship instead the gods of wood and stone, or riches and popularity, then that nation is said to have ripened in iniquity, and is pursuing a course which will result in its eventual destruction. Brant Gardner said, using the voice of the people as the immediate measure of their actions does not mean that God is removed from the people, nor from his relationship to the people, should they become people who collect, whose collective voice becomes contrary to the will of God, God will reassert himself by visiting great destruction upon them. The result of that great destruction is not mentioned, but may be presumed to be a removal of enough of the people that the righteous might once again come to the fore. Verse 28. So now he's going to institute the judges. And now if you have judges and they do judge you according to the law which has been given, you can cause that they may be judged of a higher judge. In other words, there's a court of appeals. If your higher judges do not judge righteous judgments, you shall cause that a small number of your lower judges shall be gathered together and they shall judge your higher judges according to the voice of the people. And Verse 30. And I command you to do these things in the fear of the Lord, and I command you to do these things, and that ye have no king, that if these people commit sins and iniquities, they shall be answered upon their own heads. For behold, I say unto you, the sins of many people have been, have been caused by the iniquities of their kings. Therefore their iniquities are, are answered upon the heads of their kings. And now I desire that the inequality should be no more in this land, especially among this my people. But I desire that this land be a land of liberty, and every man may enjoy his rights and privileges alike, so long as the Lord sees fit that he may live and inherit the land, yea, even as long as any of, of our posterity remains upon the face of the land. And many more things did King Mosiah write unto them, unfolding unto them all the truths all the trials and troubles of a righteous king, yea, all the travails of soul for their people, and also all the murmurings of the people to their king, and he explained it all to, unto them. 
And he told them that these things ought not to be, but that the burden should come upon all the people, that every man might bear his part. And he also unfolded unto them all the disadvantages they labored under by having an unrighteous king to rule over them, yea, and all his yea, all his iniquities and abominations, and all the wars and contentions and bloodshed and the stealing and the plundering and the committing of whoredoms, and all manner of iniquities which cannot be enumerated, telling them that these things ought not to be, that they were expressly repugnant to the commandments of God. And now it came to pass, after King Mosiah had sent these things forth among the people, they were convinced of the truth of his words. Therefore, they relinquished their desires for a king and became exceedingly anxious that every man should have an equal chance throughout all the land. J. Golden Kimball said, I love God for one thing, if nothing else, that he gives to every one of his children, black or white, bond or free, an equal chance. I like equality of opportunity. And whenever parents make a favorite of a child, I feel sorry for the child, for the favorite. If you want to destroy your family, show favoritism and do not give every child an equal chance. We parents have, to, have got to learn that lesson, not to favor the child because you love it, but favor each and every child alike. That is a sacred obligation. God does that with all of his children. And if there is any disadvantage or any wrong, we do it against each other. God does not. Continuing verse 38, Yea, and every man expressed a willingness to answer for his own sins. Therefore, it came to pass that they assembled themselves together in bodies. The selection of judges may have been among families throughout the land to cast in their voices concerning who should be their judges to judge them according to the law which had been given them. And they were exceedingly rejoiced because of the liberty which had been granted unto them. And they did, and they did wax strong in love towards Mosiah. Yea, they did esteem him more than any other man. For they did not look upon him as a tyrant who was seeking for gain, yea, for that lucre which doth corrupt the soul. For he had not exacted riches of them, neither had he delighted in the shedding of blood. But he had established peace in the land, and he had granted unto his people that they should be delivered from all manner of bondage. Therefore they did esteem him, and exceeding, yea, exceedingly beyond measure. And it came to pass that they did appoint judges to rule over them, and, or to judge them according to the law. And this they did throughout all the land. And it came to pass that Alma was appointed to be the first chief judge, he being also the high priest. This theocratic system, patterned after the order and system that prevailed in heaven, was the government of God. He gave direction in all things, both civil and ecclesiastical. His father having conferred the kingdom upon him and having given him the charge concerning all the affairs of the church. B.H. Roberts said, It is difficult to determine with precision the entire character of the constitution of the Nephite democracy, but from what is written in the Book of Mormon, this much, we, we, uh, this much may be learned. The chief judge elected by the people was the supreme governor of the land. The chief executive, his oath of office bound him to judge righteously, and so on. A similar oath was doubtless administered to the inferior judges. To a limited extent, also legislative powers were granted to the chief judge, but these powers appear to have been limited to framing laws, which were not of force until ratified by the voice of the people. No limit seems to have been set to the term of office of the chief judge, but as the voice of the people placed him in office, the same power could also dismiss him from it, and it may be that the power of impeachment vested in a certain number of inferior judges extended to deposing even the chief judge. In any event, it may be concluded that he held the position only during good behavior. Verse 43, And now it came to pass that Alma did walk in the ways of the Lord, and he did keep his commandments, and he did judge righteous judgments, and there was continual peace throughout the land. 
And thus commenced the reign of the judges throughout all the land of Zarahemla among all the people who were called Nephites. And Alma was the first and chief judge. With the establishment of the system of the judges, we encounter a new reckoning of time among the Nephites. This system would be in effect until the sign of the birth of Christ would be given when they would begin reckoning their time from that point. And now it came to pass that his father died, being eighty and two years old, having lived to fulfill the commandments of God. And it came to pass that Mosiah died also in the thirty and third year of his reign, being sixty and three years old, making it in the whole five hundred and nine years from the time Lehi left Jerusalem. And thus ended the reign of the kings over the people of Nephi, and thus ended the days of Alma, who was the founder of their church. All right, let me just go over a couple things here about the government here that's interesting. This system initiated by Mosiah of judges, although not explicitly detailed in the Book of Mormon, may, may have followed the pattern that Moses used among the ancient Israelites. Mosiah may have gotten his ideas for a system of judges from the brass plates. This same pattern was also used by the Anglo-Saxons, which system was also used by the founding fathers of the United States of America. According to W. Cleon Skousen in his book, The 5,000-Year Lape, it states the following. As the founders studied the record of the ancient Israelites, they were intrigued by the fact that they also operated under a system of laws remarkably similar to those of the Anglo-Saxons. The two systems were similar both in precept and operational structure. In fact, the Reverend Thomas Hooker wrote the Fundamental Orders of Connecticut based on the principles recorded by Moses in the first chapter of Deuteronomy. These fundamental orders were adopted in 1639 and constituted the first written constitution in modern times. This constitutional charter operated so successfully that it was adopted by Rhode Island. When the English colonies were converted over to independent states, these were the only two states which had constitutional documents which readily adapted themselves to the new order of self-government. All of the other states had to write new constitutions. Here are the principal characteristics of the people's law in ancient Israel, which were almost identical with those of the Anglo-Saxons. One, they were set up as a commonwealth of free men. A basic tenet was, proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. This inscription appears on the American Liberty Bill, and that's a quote from Leviticus. Two, all the people were organized into small management units where the representative of each family had a voice and a vote. This organizing process was launched after Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses, saw him trying to govern the people under ruler's law. When the structure was completed, the Israelites were organized as follows. Moses as president with Aaron as vice president over internal affairs and Joshua as vice president over the military. A council of 70, a senate, elected representatives, a congress, leaders over a thousand families, leaders over leaders or judges over a hundred families, and leaders over 50 families, and leaders over 10 families, with over three million people with power to govern themselves. Three, there was specific emphasis on strong local self-government. Problems were solved at the greatest possible extent on the level where they originated. Four, the entire code of justice was based primarily on reparation to the victim rather than fines and punishment by the commonwealth. The one crime for which no satisfaction could be given was first-degree murder. The penalty was death. Five, leaders were elected and new laws were approved by the common consent of the people. And six, accused persons were presumed to be innocent until proven guilty. Evidence had to be strong enough to remove any question of doubt as to guilt. Borderline cases were decided in favor of the accused, and he was released. It was felt that if he were actually guilty, his punishment could be left to the government of, of or to the judgment of God in the future life.
And so we can see some of the similarities between what was established among the judges in the Old Testament and what we have as our government today in the United States. I bear testimony of the truth of the Book of Mormon and say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hope you come back to the next one. See you later. Bye.